Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. None of the other writers do. And if you uh, have your own Bible at home, if you've got one here and you want to follow along with me, we're going to take the first four parables out of Mark chapter 4. Very going to, they're going to be quite familiar to you if you've read the Bible before. But if you haven't read the Bible before, these are life-changing because of what Jesus intends to do. Listen to what the Bible says. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large, he got into a boat and sat out in, on the lake. And by the way, I did had the thrill a few years ago of actually being in Israel and seeing that very spot uh, along the Sea of Galilee where it's like a, a natural uh, amphitheater where the, you could uh, row a boat out 20 metres and you'd be surrounded by a natural amphitheatre. Um, uh, dear, dear little, our little friend Barty would have loved to have played on that very piece of lake if she'd had half a chance. <laughs> He's sitting there and the Bible says he taught them many things by parables and in his teaching he said this, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Maybe that's happened to you over the past year. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Maybe that's happened to you over the past year. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain and still other seed fell on good soil and it came up and grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables and he told them the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. We're going to talk about the secret of the kingdom of God. Because there are, it's, it's a secret if you don't know it, but even if you do know it, you need to understand how precious this is. These are insights to how the kingdom of God comes. There is a cry amongst people to encounter God. They want to encounter something better than the kingdoms of this world. And Jesus said, you've got to understand how the kingdom comes. Because if you don't understand it, you could be surrounded by the possibility and never touch it. In fact, Jesus said one day, there'll be two sleeping in a bed, one will be taken and the other left. How could that happen? Well, because there is a posture involved in encountering the kingdom. And if you don't get it, you can be surrounded by the kingdom and never touch it. I can't think of a greater tragedy. That was pretty much my life. I grew up going to church. My mum and dad were Lutherans. They went to church every time they opened the doors. And I grew up in that context and as a result I can never remember a time when I didn't know the Bible and I didn't read the Bible but I never had ears to hear how that connected with my life until I was 19 years of age. You can be surrounded by the kingdom and it doesn't touch you in the same way it's touching other people. And that's a tragedy. But there's a secret to it. Jesus said, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those who are on the outside, everything is said in parables. They see, but they're never perceiving. They hear, but they never understand. 
Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. That's an ironic statement. Uh, And then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? So how will you understand any parable? In other words, this is the most foundational truth about encountering the kingdom of heaven. It all starts here with this parable. The farmer sows the word. It all begins with thoughts. It all begins as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And one of the challenges of life, God says in the book of Isaiah, my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. As far as the heavens are high above the earth, so my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And yet a single dumb thought can keep you from the kingdom of heaven. The children of Israel stood at the edge of Canaan and one dumb thought kept them from victory and that was we're grasshoppers. One dumb thought. A single, phony, unhelpful, negative, destructive thought can ruin your life. And Jesus said you need to understand that the kingdom comes first in word. Now, the reason that this parable is so valuable is because he says a farmer sows a seed. Do you understand what a seed is? And a seed is an extraordinary thing. It's a package of DNA. It's all a seed is. It's an extraordinary package of DNA because God thinks in terms of DNA. It's how come you are here. You, there was a time when you did not exist but there was a sperm in your father's body and an ovum in your mother's body and they were nothing more than 23 chromosomes. They connected in conception and in that moment a seed was formed and that was you. It's how God does business. He thinks in terms of seed. And once there is something invested in a seed, you then have to give it the right environment and if you do, If you'll give a seed the right environment, it has the power within itself to produce the future. It's not entirely up to your brilliance. It's what's invested in the seed. If it's just held in the right environment, it has the capacity to produce the impossible. How do you make another human being? Human being is so brilliant and so extraordinary and so complex But the dumbest of people can pull it off because God has invested the power of reproduction in the seed. If you can just bring the seed together and put it in the right environment, the right environment for a baby is a womb, then what's in that seed will unpack. But you don't see it all even by the time of birth. The average mother does not go running back to the hospital in tears. My kid's got no teeth. Lord help us, this kid's going to be gumming his way to glory. No, the the teeth are in there, but they're in the DNA. If you'll keep the kid alive long enough, if you'll keep the kid healthy enough, what's in the DNA will unpack in time. Here's a picture of Christianity. You come to Christ with all your troubles and your woes, and into your heart comes a single seed that Jesus Christ is Lord, risen from the dead, the Lord of all, returning again to establish a kingdom that will never end. Seed like that will change your life. You say, oh, I, can't, I don't see it all, though. But if, if you allow it into your heart, it begins to change the way you think about yourself, the way you think about life and the world, and it then adjusts 
the choices you make on a day-to-day basis and if you keep it up long enough, you become a saint. You become the Apostle Paul, you become Saint Augustine, you become Martin Luther or you become Sam. You've got options here (laughs) that this thing will actually unpack. God is brilliant but he thinks in terms of seed. And Jesus said the kingdom begins with the word. It begins with word because word is seed. The farmer goes out to sow and as he does, he sows. Now, Jesus demonstrates in this parable, he summarises the importance of the posture in which that seed is found. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, I went to church for 19 years. I never heard. But it's a stunning thing of what the Spirit of God can do because I went to church one Sunday morning and I actually heard. It shocked the daylights out of me. I, had, I went to church one Sunday morning and a visiting preacher preached on hell and eternal life. And as he unpacked that message, I, uh, the, the, the hymn Amazing Grace unfolded in my life. It was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved. And that day I feared. I I realised that to die outside of the grace of God was a really bad idea. And that human beings are incredible. It's an incredible privilege to be born a human being. You're not a magpie. You're not a squirrel. You are not a dog, you're a human being. The privilege of being a human being is profound, but with it comes profound responsibility. Squirrels are not responsible as human beings are. And the Bible says in the good news that God has appointed a day when he will judge the entire world in righteousness by one man, and he has given evidence of this by raising him from the dead. There will be a day of judgment. That day I heard that word. And I trembled and I left that day thinking, good God, I've got to take this stuff seriously. For four days I sat in a, I was working in a quarry at the, at the time in my university vacation, driving a Euclid truck up and down trying to figure out how Christian I was prepared to be. Would I let that word in? Would I respond to that word? Would I allow Christ to rule my life? And uh, on the fourth day, I'd pretty much put together a list of things I was prepared to do. I was prepared to go to church more. I was prepared to give a little more. I was prepared to, you know, um, well, I was even prepared to teach Sunday school. I mean, how much suffering does it take to get into the kingdom of heaven? And on that day, God spoke to me. Got near the front door of home and God spoke to me and he said, I want you to be a minister and I burst into tears. I didn't want to be a minister, I want to be a high school teacher. Went outside, drove to Helen's house, said, I think God wants me to be a teacher. She cried, she didn't want to marry it. God wants me to be a minister. She didn't want to marry a minister, she cried too. I've got an amazing testimony about the wonder and the joy of becoming a Christian. It shook my world to pieces. And over the next years, I simply began to follow. And it changed my life. Now here Jesus said, I want to talk to you about the nature of the, the, the heart in which that word lands. He said, sometimes it lands on the, on the footpath and the devil comes and takes it away. We are involved in a spiritual war. 
And one of the things that every Christian has to recognize is that we're not talking about spooks and weird stuff, but the Bible says Jesus said you have an enemy of your soul. And when the word comes and you just don't get it, the, you've got an enemy, he'll take it from you. And it'll be gone. It'll be as if you never heard it in your whole life. Then he said there's a time when people hear that, that tr the truth and they grab a hold of it and say, that's brilliant. I, I, I think that's wonderful. And they begin to respond. But when the pressure of following or living out that word begins to become evident, they give up because there's no root on the inside. In other words, there's, there's a surface uh, involvement, but there's not a deep brokenness that can allow God any access to any area of your life. And so there's resistance set up and the, and the, the seed dies and it produces nothing. Then he said they, it, the word of God can be received and people can believe it and they're excited about it. But the pressures of life, the deceitfulness of riches, the, the distractions, Netflix endlessly, it just chokes the life out of the word. And that's what makes this COVID experience such a significant issue for us. Because anything you do for an extended period of time will change who you are. We become what we are one day at a time, one decision at a time. And if you keep something up long enough. Uh, a few years ago, I decided I needed to lose some weight. I was 121 and a half kilograms. Now, I would have loved a, a word from the Bible that would have explained how to get back to where I should have been uh, in a weekend of faith and an extraordinary miracles. But apparently, it just didn't happen that way. I had to become convinced that things had to change and then I had to do things differently day after day and as a result of that, the glorious specimen of humanity that stands before you today is a product of just deciding that life had to be done differently. The difficulty we face with COVID, the serious difficulty we face, is we've been now doing this for so long, it becomes a way of life. And as it does, the, Jesus said there's a danger with, with stuff in this life. Pressure, distractions, um, the deceitfulness of riches, the new ideas. You know, we're, why go to church? Why be engaged in this stuff? Maybe we could all love Jesus and just never come together again and save us a lot of time. We have to drive to church and drive home. And, you know, put things on, take them on. Yeah, that, that's true. The, the, the danger we face is that this has gone on now for so long, it begins to reform our thoughts. And the reality is that there is nothing more critical in our journey of life than the truth we hear and the adjustment to the rudder of our life that takes place on a daily basis. And uh, the reality is that uh, I travel. This is part of my... This is my life has been for the last, well, many years, but particularly the last 12 years. I get to see what's happening. I get to hear other pastors and I understand uh, the, church, the two churches that I'm involved in. I'm on the preaching team of one church and on the eldership of another. And both Helen and I both serve in two different church communities at the moment. We make a contribution in each of them. And both of them are going through all the same struggles that churches all around the world are because the COVID journey has reframed for many Christians how they view uh, the house of God, the community of faith, the relentlessness of pursuing truth, 
And if you keep it up long enough, you begin to train your children that this is a different way of living. It's not just you. See, if I never went to church again for the rest of my life, I'm going to be okay because I am locked in. But the reality is this. I've got children and I have grandchildren and I want my grandchildren and my children to know Poppy has a faith that engages with the community, the community of faith. And Poppy is locked into doing, uh, to doing life Jesus' way. And Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. And we simply need to appreciate that over this coming year, we, one of the challenges we have is will we press through our fears? Not, dis, not, look, not for a minute uh, dismissing the fact that there, is a, there really is a need for us to be uh, appropriately cautious and do all the appropriately helpful things that doesn't pass uh, a, a, a virus onto other people or catch it unnecessarily yourself. But you can't live in a framework of fear for the rest of your life. And as a result, there's a, a challenge on all of us to appropriately begin to determinedly and, and with absolute conviction say the way God does life is he builds his church in houses and he builds it in the temple. And the Bible says in the book of Acts, and daily they were house by house and they daily met in the temple. There are these two marvellous ways in which God uh, promotes and encourages and nurtures faith and uh, we need to recover it. I'm part of a, uh, two great churches and for, for both of us, for all of us, the, this is part of the challenge of our life. I am so glad I grew up in a house of faith because even when weird stuff was happening with a lot, lots of my friends, I was in God's house. Why? Because my mum and dad were relentless, which meant that when I was 19 years of age, I was in church that Sunday and I would not be standing here talking to you today had I been somewhere else on that day. I have no idea how my marriage would have unfolded, what I would be doing as far as my, my, my work or my life was concerned. But because I was there, I heard something that day and it transformed my life. It is amazing what the Word of God will do. Years later, when I was leading the Mount Evelyn Church of Christ, we had a, a, a time in, back in the 1980s when we were doing trips to India. And one of the elders in our church was a greengrocer. He used to drive trucks and pick up fruit and vegetables from the Fitzroy market and distribute them to greengrocers around our community. He went on one of these trips, preaching trips, sharing Christ in India. And the first day he went out in the streets, it crushed him. He was just overwhelmed by the cultural conflict, by the poverty. And he, he, he stopped and he went back to his hotel room and he lay down on the floor and he wept. And he said, God, how can I go out and tell people about the love of God? Look at their, their life and their, the mess and the horror of their life. And as he was lying there weeping, he decided to turn to the Psalms and it was there in the Psalms he read one single passage of the scripture, Psalm 36 verse 18. And Psalm 36 verse 18, the Bible says, the eyes of the Lord are upon those who fear him, who have faith in his relentless love to keep them alive 
in famine. It was a seed. That, you say, well, a single verse in the Bible, it transformed his life. There on that carpet, he realised, I have got something to say. These people are facing famine. They're in a terrible situation. God's promises. If I can find someone who has a relentless confidence in my goodness, I can serve, I can keep them, I can sustain them. And he went back out and he began to preach and God turned him into an apostle. And out of that came a, a ministry in our church that planted thousands of churches, four Bible colleges, a, a, a medical ministry team. It all came out of that one guy's leadership who's lying on a floor feeling impotent and incapable of sharing Christ in this environment until a seed from the word of God dropped into his heart and it just began to grow and it turned him into an apostle. The things I saw over the next 25 years were just extraordinary. Probably the most extraordinary thing I will ever be part of in my life is what unfolded from Mount Evelyn Church of Christ out of an elder who never did any theological training he was a greengrocer, but he had a word that was, that was planted in his heart and out of that grew a ministry that is just extraordinary. Jesus said this, the, in others, like seeds sown on good soil, they hear the word, they accept it, and it produces a crop some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. It's what it did for him. And I'm standing here today because I heard a word when I was 19 years of age in my Lutheran church in Box Hill. I heard it. It dropped into my heart. It has changed my life. Now, the second parable then changes the, the picture. The first picture is the receiving of truth, the receiving of the seed. Then Jesus said to them, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on a stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use. Here it is, a secret of the kingdom. Get this. This is a secret of the kingdom delivered to us by Jesus Christ. He said, you want to know how the kingdom works? Here it is. The seed of the word comes to you, but it doesn't come to you just for you. It comes to you to touch you and, train, and change you and transform your life and turn you into a light bearer. Now, here's how this principle works. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Those who have will be given more as for those who do not have, even what they have will be taken away. Jesus said that. So this is how the kingdom works. The word of God comes to you and it's intended if you hear it that it changes the way you do your life. If you see the, the implications of that, as you pursue that, you will be given more. And if you decide not to pursue that, even what you have will be taken away. And occasionally I meet Christians who've kind of dropped out, let the thing settle. I've, you know, I'll make the distance, but you see them a year or two down the track and the vitality is gone. The confidence is gone. The sense of urgency, the sense of who they belong to is gone because what they had has been taken away. 
In other words, the reality is this, that you use it or you lose it. You, you decide to step up and become part of the answer or you will fade away. You will rust and you will lose what you have. It's how the kingdom works. Now, one of the reasons I'm standing here is when I heard that word at the age of 19, I just, I realised this isn't just for me. And at that time, I was a high school teacher. For seven years, I was a high school teacher. I was about three years into my high school teaching when it just began to break my heart the way the kids in my high school were living. They were just living such totally destructive and, and senseless lives. And I came home and I said to Helen one day, we can't keep this stuff to ourselves. And I simply made a decision. I'm going to share Jesus on our high school campus. And one of the things we did was we opened our house on a Friday night. I gave out 10 invitations in a typing class one day. And I said, I invite you to my house, Friday night, open house. 35 kids turned up. I got out my guitar. I got out my Bible. I was writing songs at that stage. Lucky you don't hear some of them. <laughs> I sang them one of my songs. People walking through this life as if it's never, ever going to end. <clears throat> Preached to them a word from the scripture and said to them, if you'll come every Friday night, I'll tell you what I know. You can use my house as a drop-in centre, but you've got to listen to me for 15 minutes. And the kids said, fair enough. And away it went. We'd have up to 100 kids a Friday night in our house. And it was, it was like a zoo. <laughs> I'd write stuff on the walls and Helen would rebuke me for it afterwards because it wouldn't come off. <laughs> Talking to them about Jesus and about eternity. Some nights we'd have breakthroughs. I'd baptise 34 kids of those kids in my backyard in a single year, four of the teachers as well. One of the reasons I'm standing here today is because of this principle here. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Do something. Engage. Find an area of service that suits who you are, that, that goes with the way God's wired you up, because if you will connect and embrace the call to be part of a team, to, to just get into the game. He says, uh, the measure you use, you measure, you measure a teaspoon, I'll, I'll, I'll throw it into, but even more. But if you decide to simply lay back, again, I know I'm beating a drum, but that's why I'm here. It's my job. I beat drums. <laughs> this is a season for, for drum beating because fear has caused people to draw back. And we have a great and mighty call on our lives. And if we will engage with it, the promise of God is that I will measure to you as you give it out, I'll give it to you. Well, I am the, I am the, the greatest recipient of my own ministry. See, I had to prepare this for you today. I'm, get, I'm getting more out of this than you are. Because I've, I've heard this three or four times already. And got up this morning, I, might, I, left, I left my notes at home, so bad luck, you, you just get, you get goulash, you get what, what's left in here. I had a brilliant message, but you know, you get goulash. But I'm the greatest recipient of this, you see, because I, I'm giving it to you, and as, I, as I'm sharing it with you, I get more out of this than you do. Sorry about that. But I am alive and passionate because he measures to me as I measure out. And I plead with you, use it or lose, just engage, revive, 
stand up. There's the, one of the churches we're part of is currently in a 21 days of fasting and prayer at the start of this year, stirring our hearts to break out and come back again. Here's the third one. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts a sickle to it because the harvest has come. Here's the third principle of the kingdom. You don't have to understand everything. There are miracles going on in the kingdom. The kingdom is bigger than you and it's bigger than your theology and it's bigger than your understanding of theology and it's bigger than your faith. It's just bigger. Uh, but you do have to do what you know to do. The farmer can't simply say, well, it's all up to God. I love that story about uh, the, the two farmers. And they met each other at the fence line one day and on one side the, the farmer's field is filled with wheat and uh, the, the other farmer says to his friend, look what the Lord has done in your field. And the first guy says, yeah, well, you should have seen it when the Lord had it all to himself. <laughs> Somebody had to get up and do something. Somebody had to take a step. And one of the greatest truths about Christianity is that this is a partnership with the divine. It's a partnership with the impossible. It's a partnership with the glory of God and a kingdom that will rule and reign forever. But you do have to do what you know to do. Years ago, I heard about tithing for the first time. When I was in Bible college. And uh, I'd never known... I was a Lutheran. We didn't talk about tithing. Um, but then I was going to a different church and they did. And I'd never heard anyone talk about it before. And I made a decision. If that's in the Bible, no one ever showed that to me before. But if it's in the Bible, I'll do it. And so I began to do it. And as a result, it changed my life. I'll never forget at the end of that year when I had to sell a home, move out of Bible college and move into a different house and take up full-time ministry. How God just moved so, so powerfully Moving from a cheaper area to a dearer area, we sold our house. I bought a new one in an impossible situation. And at the end of it, I didn't even have a housing, a loan any longer. I came out of Bible college after a year of no salary and I was debt free. And I thought, how did that happen? Well, the Bible says here, even though he does not know how. I don't know how that happened, no. But I did do what I knew to do. When we, I was leading the church at Mount Evelyn, we came to the point where we were building and we had a building fund and I looked around and said, Lord, I had a whole bunch of different ways of helping the building fund. I did a couple of albums. Lucky you don't hear any of it. <laughs> also made a decision with an investment. You know, if we moved this... One of the guys was with AMP. It actually worked at that stage in history. And AMP said, if you put your... Move your... Um, your investment from where it is to AMP, it'll be do just as well and I'll put all of the commission into the building fund. So we'll, we'll do that. And it resulted in about 20,000 or something going into the building fund. Later on, that uh, a year or two later, I got a, a letter from AMP saying we're mutualising and since you have a, an investment with us, we're going to give you some shares. Well, at that point, I, I had no idea whether that was worth thrip, you know, two bob or, or nothing. So I went to a guy in our church and I said, look, he, he, that was his job, was trading shares. So I got this 
this allocation of shares? Is it worth anything? He says, well, it could be. We've got a plan. If you want to put it in my hands, uh, we'll, I'll put it on the market for you. I said, yeah, sure, I wouldn't know. He rang me back that day. He said, um, we were one of four that sold your shares at $35 a piece that day. Uh, we were gifted 65000 bucks, And that has been the foundation of my superannuation fund. I had no superannuation fund until that day. How did that happen? I don't know how. I don't know how miracles happen. I don't know how extraordinary moments like that unfold. I don't understand why one person is elevated in the way that they are, why one person is blessed in the way they are. I don't know all that. It's a real miracle. But that's exactly what happens with farmers. They don't know how all of this stuff happens, but they do have to do what they know to do. Do what you know to do as a Christian and trust that the miracle of the kingdom of heaven will intersect with you at appropriate moments in your life and wonderful things will take place. Here's the last one and then we're done. Again, Jesus said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when it's planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. What does that parable mean? Don't despise the day of small beginnings. You see, our great danger is we love bigness. We love to see things that have big numbers and big size, but the kingdom comes in seed form. And it starts with little things, little acts of faith, little steps of courage, little moments of obedience. That's how the kingdom comes, one day at a time. I will never forget my first trip to India when, as a church, we had decided that we would seek to plant churches in that country. I flew with that same elder I mentioned to you before and we met with a group of 20 boys in a house. We'd rented a house and one of the local Baptist pastors had become the overseer of this and I was there teaching these kids from the Bible and I felt all of my humanity. How can this ever make any difference? I've travelled thousands of miles. I've passed millions of sinners to get to this little spot on the, on the planet. How can this little group in Kakanada ever make any difference? See, that was just my humanity looking at a mustard seed. How can 20 kids make a difference in a country of a billion people? But I was back there 20 years later surrounded by 20,000 of our leadership. We filled an entire field, just the leadership. Because when God is in something, there is no limit, there is just no end to what can be done with faithfulness and the presence and the power of God. One of the most extraordinary things, to stand on that platform and look out over the lights, over the candles held by 20,000 people, as they filled that field, the result of a seed. Folks, we're at the beginning of a new year. God comes to you firstly by his word. Don't let anything separate you from the word of God because your ideas may not be his thoughts. 
Your thoughts may not be his thoughts. Every day as I read my Bible, this is my prayer. Change the way I think. Change the way I see you. Change the I want to see things the way you see them. It all begins with the word of God and the community of faith is one of the most vital connections because it reminds you over and over again of what's the source of our insight. It isn't Netflix. It's not Channel 9 or Channel 7 or, thank God, the ABC. (laughs) It's the scriptures. Don't ever be separated from a community of believing people. Secondly, it comes to you to change who you are, to turn you into light, And if you will respond to it and begin to to do what he's speaking to you about, the more you do it, the more it'll expand you. The less you do it, the more you will decline, you will atrophy, you'll go backwards and there's too much at stake. Thirdly, do what you know to do and miracles take place. Miracles are not based on you getting the words exactly right or knowing everything and believe. Just do what you know to do and trust in the power of the kingdom of heaven to carry it beyond you and don't despise the day of small beginnings because by the grace of God from seeds, great things grow and may God grant it that this church, this church afresh, will realise it's called to be a seed, to grow into a great and mighty tree in Jesus' name. Will you join me in prayer for just a moment? Father, I pray that we start this new year. Oh God, this is my prayer, revive us again. I know our church in Melbourne today will be crying the same prayer. They'll be praying, revive us again, oh God. Stir again, renew the foundations of our faith. I pray today, Lord God, for Sam and the team here, right at this spot in Sydney, right here at Northside. Revive this church afresh. Help people fresh press through the fear, not abandoning sense, and not abandoning appropriate cautions, but pressing through the fear to restore, revive, renew the community of believers in Jesus' name. And I pray that this year afresh, new souls, new baptisms, new lives touched and changed. And I pray that out of this church, there will come this year fresh faith, new vision in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.